Welcome to this week's message here on Brit David Podcast. Today, we continue our walk through the book of Luke as Pastor Tim shares a message from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, entitled, Finding Forgiveness. A song we sing in church says, Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. What an absolute truth. Everyone does need forgiveness. And the good news is that everyone can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Tim. Amen. You can be seated. What a good way to get us into our passage today. Ernest Hemingway wrote in one of his short stories about a young man whose name was Paco. Paco was rebellious. Paco was disobedient. Paco was defiant. Paco was irresponsible. Paco decided that he could not live by the rules of his father. And so one night they sort of had what we would call a knockdown, drag out fight. Paco said a number of things to his father that he could never take back. Began to gather up all of his stuff that he had, what few possessions that he did have stormed out of the door, slammed it behind him, and hoped that he would never see his father ever again. He made his way to Madrid where he was going to pursue his dreams, so to speak, which did not work out very well for Paco. The dad, however, who stayed home, still cared about his son, obviously still loved his son, began to wonder about things like, where is he? Is he okay? Is he hurt? Is he in trouble? Many of those same questions that you can imagine any parent having for their child in that kind of circumstance. So finally the father decided that he would go in search of Paco, so he made his way to Madrid and pretty soon found out how difficult it really is to find a needle in a haystack. So he decided instead to take out an ad, a personal ad, in the classifieds of the local newspaper. The ad simply read this, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday, all is forgiven, love Papa. Hemingway tells in that story that the very next day when the father arrived at the Hotel Montana, he was astonished beyond amazement because what stood in front of him were 800 young men supposedly named Paco, who are looking for forgiveness. They're looking for reconciliation with their father. And hopefully among them was the real Paco, you know. The greatest news, the most gracious news that Paco would ever hear would be, all is forgiven, love Papa. The greatest news that you will ever hear, the most gracious words that you will ever hear, is all is forgiven. Love, Father. There's not a greater story that we find in the Scriptures than those of forgiveness. What we find at the end of Luke chapter number 7 is a story and then a parable that tells about forgiveness in a way that Paco could appreciate, that the people in our story obviously can appreciate, and I believe today that you may find yourself in these stories also. 
Because I've not found a person anywhere who doesn't need forgiveness. Forgiveness from God, forgiveness from family, forgiveness from friends, forgiveness from church members, forgiveness from coworkers. What I learn is, is that everybody needs forgiveness. In fact, that's where we start today. There are three great statements about forgiveness that I want to make to you today that I want you to see in this story. And the first one is this. Receiving forgiveness is essential. Receiving forgiveness is essential. Everybody needs forgiveness. Now you may sit and say, well, I don't don't need forgiveness. I've I've not done anything wrong. I don't need forgiveness from the Lord. I don't need forgiveness from anybody. I am perfectly fine just like I am. (laughs) Liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? Everybody needs it. The Bible even says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If that's true, and it is, then everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody stands in need of that. And in the story today, you begin to find two people in particular who need forgiveness. Let's look at it together. We're in Luke chapter number 7. We pick up where we left off last week, and that's in verse number 36. The Bible says, Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. Then Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner... When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man... If he were a prophet, if he were really a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, that's true. He's not wrong when he begins to evaluate that. But there's a number of things that we find in this story that find that both this woman is in need of forgiveness, and so is the man. In fact, out of these two people... There's really not one who needs forgiveness more than the other, although one will indeed be forgiven more. Consider it this way. First of all, I want you to know that prodigals need forgiveness. Prodigals need forgiveness. And you may think of that that word and associate it with the prodigal son who's in Luke chapter number 15. But all prodigals aren't boys, are they? There's some prodigal girls out there too, some prodigal daughters The prodigal simply means a person who lives wastefully. A person who lives a wicked kind of lifestyle. A person who is wayward. That's the person who is the prodigal. In this particular case, it's a woman. As we sit in the congregation today, it may be a man. It may be a little boy. It may be a little girl. Somebody who's living apart from the way that God has designed for them to live. And they are prodigal. Let me tell you this, that person needs forgiveness. No, they don't necessarily need a lecture. They don't even necessarily need a better example. They 
need forgiveness. They need pardon, full and free. They need what God and God alone can offer to them. This woman is indeed a sinner. What Simon says in verse number 39 is simply what the Bible itself says in verse number 37. She is indeed a sinner. She will correspond to one of the debtors that we read about in this following parable. In fact, let's go ahead and go to the parable. I want you to see it because it is a direct line between this woman and the story itself that Jesus is telling to Simon. All right? So let's, let's go down to verse number 40. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, teacher, say it. <laughs> He's asking for it, ain't he? You know, if I was Jesus, I'd have reared back a little bit. <laughs> I'd give this story a little bit more punch, you know, right in the mouth of Simon. All right, Simon, you want to hear it? Here it comes. Verse number 41. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Let's stop there for just a minute, just in case you're wondering. A denarius was simply a one day's wage for a common laborer. So it really was a way of being able to look at that and say, here's a person who owes 500 days worth of wages. Here's another person who owes 50 days worth of wages. You can kind of put your own amounts in there, so to speak, if you want to. Look at verse 42. When they, that is both of them, when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore... Which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said to him, you have rightly judged or you have rightly answered. What he recognizes in this passage is, is that some people seem to be in greater debt to God, maybe it seems, than others. And so what he recognizes is the fact that the person who is forgiven more understands and appreciates that more and then loves God in return more. It simply goes to the fact that prodigals need forgiveness and when they find it, boy, when they find it, they understand and appreciate it maybe better than some others do. But what the Pharisee misses in the story is this fact. Yes, Prodigals need forgiveness. But Pharisees need forgiveness too. Pharisees need forgiveness. Baptists need forgiveness. People who try to think that they can, uh, in their attempt or at least in their acknowledgement of trying to live according to the law or trying to live a righteous life, trying to do good things, somehow that earns them greater favor with God. It just doesn't, does it? This Pharisee, even though he attends to the issues of the synagogue, this Pharisee, even though he has committed his life to the keeping of the law, this Pharisee is in need of forgiveness. And he proves it in the way that he responds to Jesus throughout this entire passage. You know, for Jesus to say, Simon, I have something I need to say to you. You would expect somebody to have a little bit more humility, wouldn't you? To know 
that what he's about to say is not going to be the pat on the back. Maybe he didn't expect the pat on the back. Maybe it's just my kind of life that I live. I don't expect the pat on the back at this point. When he says, Lord, just our teacher, just say it. It almost seems as if it has a defiant tone to it, doesn't it? Just say it. Whatever you got to tell me, Lord, you just, you just tell it. What Jesus is trying to tell him is, Simon, you need forgiveness as much as the sinner. The Pharisee needs it just as much as the prodigal. You know why that's true? Because everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody. Let me give you a second statement today. Concerning forgiveness, I also want you to see that responding to forgiveness is expressive. It is expressive. In other words, because I need forgiveness so desperately, once I receive forgiveness, I can't help but respond to that. I can't help but be expressive in my, in my gratitude, in my appreciation. In this case, he uses the word love. In a demonstration, a genuine demonstration of love for my forgiver. So if I'm talking about forgiveness that comes from God, then I'm talking about worship, aren't I? How does my worship, how does my coming in here demonstrate expressively to God my deep and profound appreciation for being forgiven? What have I really done? Let's look at the woman. I mean, I want to kind of match my worship with hers. There are a couple of things that are here. First of all, I see that because she worships this way, I kind of ought to worship this way. I will worship him actively. That's how she did. It was very active, wasn't it? Look down, if you will, in verse number 44, kind of where we left off. It says, Jesus turned to the woman... So he's turned his attention towards her, right? That's not who he's talking to. He's making sure that Simon and everybody else at the table and everybody else in the room knows that he's got his sight set on this woman. He turns to the woman, but he says to Simon, do you see this woman? Let me stop there for just a moment. This, this really doesn't have nearly as much to do with this passage is anything else? But, but what a great question. Do you see this woman? He's not talking about do you see with your eyes. I mean, everybody saw. I mean, when this woman comes up from behind Jesus, breaks open that alabaster flask of oil and pours it all over Jesus' feet, is weeping, and, and her tears are falling down on Jesus' feet, and she's taking her hair and she's rubbing his feet, she's wiping it, trying to dry those feet with it. <laughs> Do you see this woman? Of course I see this woman. She's ruining everything. That's how we think about some folks we see. We see the guy in the dead of summer wearing a heavy coat pushing a buggy down the road. I mean, we see him, but we don't see him. The guy holding the cardboard sign at the exit, you know, <laughs> Don't make eye contact with that guy. He's coming to your window. 
I see him, but I don't really see him. He's not asking Simon at this point if he visually can spot this woman in the room. But do you see her? Do you see what she's doing? Do you understand her? Do you understand what she's doing for me? Do you understand that this is active worship? Do you see her? And he says this, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. That was, that was typical. I mean, especially for someone of, of Simon's means. In all likelihood, Simon's, Simon probably has servants. If you're wealthy enough in that kind of society to have a servant, then one servant has, when those special guests come over, you know, they're on those dusty roads, not the, not the wrestler, but dusty roads, and, and they, they come in and their feet are dirty. So they take the, the servant then takes the basin of, oil, of water and what we would call a wash rag and just simply washes off the dirt from that, from that man's feet. Not just to not dirty the house or not dirty the rug. Hey, don't wear your shoes in here. Take your shoes off before you come down. Not because of that. But to honor him, to honor a guest that's come into your home, Jesus said, Simon, you didn't treat me like that. You didn't do that for me. But look what he does say. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Incredible. Not incredible. Her worship was marked by submission. Oh, I wonder if my worship is ever really marked by submission and humility. Or if my worship is really about me. It's really about me being seen. Me being heard. Is it really about the one that I worship? A worship that is marked by submission. A worship that's marked by sadness. By sadness, by brokenness. He said, Simon, you gave me no kiss. What's he talking about? He's talking about the way that they would greet one another. You can greet someone in that day simply by holding out your hand and shaking hands. Kiss one another, one cheek and then on the other. It was just a, it was a greeting. It would have been typical for anybody to come into his home to be greeted that way. Simon, you haven't even, you haven't even greeted, you, you haven't even acknowledged me here today. And yet, this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. Sadness, there's brokenness that's there. Why is that? You would think happiness, I mean, happiness is what should follow forgiveness, right? It does. But not at first. At first, I am consumed with the enormity of my sinfulness. I, I am persuaded in the presence of the Holy One 
to know what a wretched sinner that I really am. And the fact that He has not cast me out, but that He is receiving that worship. It's more than my heart can bear. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim shares the conclusion to the message from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, Finding Forgiveness. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at britdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.